Ford. Okay, hi, I am Tasmia Ibrahim. And I am Bubilo Stevens. And this is our first podcast of an intro to motor speech disorders, a crash course, a 101, if you will. So um, this is a three-part course with this week being differential diagnosis. Next week will be assessment and the following week will be intervention and management. I hope you stick along with us for the next three weeks and I hope you learn a lot about motor speech disorders. Boipelo, will you kick us off? Okay, so what are motor speech disorders? The atypical functioning of the motor system results in a variety of speech production deficiencies known as motor speech disorders. Speech difficulties caused by neurological injury that impairs the motor control of the speech muscles or the motor programming of speech movements are known as motor speech disorders. There are seven different kinds of dysarthrias and one type of apraxia in this group of motor speech disorders. Motor speech disorders include speech disturbances that reflect abnormalities in nervous system structures or pathways directly in the sensory motor programming, control, or execution of speech. Broadly, they include dysarthrias and apraxia of speech. Okay, so when we differentiate and uh, we will look at uh, between dysarthria and apraxia, we will differentiate and find similarities. So to understand and differentiate between dysarthria and apraxia, we have to understand that verbal production is a very complex process, a multidimensional explanation and definition emphasizing the verbal, cognitive, or neuroanatomical aspects of the disorders will be discussed. Uh, this will be discussed right through the podcast. Um, as Melly and Gallego has said, a behavior-based definition will inform us on the verbal symptoms. A cognitive definition will explain the disorders regarding the process of the motor controls of speech. And a neuroanatomical definition will correlate behavioral symptoms to injuries detected in the neuroimaging technology. So if we look at um, the similarities of uh, dysarthria and apraxia, Dysarthria and apraxia can either be congenital or acquired, so meaning uh, through genetics or acquired later in life. Dysarthria is, um, dysarthria is often a part of a more general motor disorder, example, cerebral palsy or genetic disorders, so um, which with symptoms such as clumsiness or oral hypo or hypersensitivity. With dysarthria, muscle control is generally disrupted for both non-speech, which is swallowing, chewing, blowing, etc., and speech movements. With apraxia, there may be no problem or there may be different difficulties with non-verbal motor skills, such as overstuffing or versus trouble swallowing. So we um, we look at the various uh, if we look at the various areas such as um, respiration, articulation, phonation, resonance, prosody, they have similarities as well as differences. So in phonation, um, apraxia and, um, and dysarthria both have difficulty initiating phonation and controlling loudness, while dysarthria only has reduced loudness and breathy voice and reduced pitch or loudness range. Resonance, both have hypernasal residence, and in apraxia, it's possibly due to timing. In, and in prosody, uh, in prosody, both have um, reduced pitch or loudness. So we see that there's often a, a similarities as well as differences in apraxia and dysarthria. 
Now we look at dysarthria as a whole. Dysarthria is an impairment of speech output that mimics slurred speech due to problems with the muscle regulation of the speech mechanism. So dysarthria can be caused by brain damage, such as strokes or traumatic brain injuries, which we have learned about recently. There are seven types of dysarthria. So I know as a student, this could be a bit overwhelming trying to classify them, but if you just learn the three main uh, classifications of them, such as location, the main auditory characteristic, meaning how will it present when you hear it, and the distinguishing pathophysiology, meaning uh, the main physical uh, if, uh, dif difficulty, then it won't be that hard to classify it. So the seven types, we'll start with flaccid, which uh, it occurs, the injury occurs in the lower motor neuron. And the main auditory characteristic is breathiness, hoarseness, short phrases, uh, hypernasality, etc. And the distinguishing pathophysiology is weakness. Then we go into spastic, which occurs in the upper motor neuron, which is usually bilateral. And this usually sounds like a strained, harsh voice and monopitch and a very slow rate. And the distinguishing pathophysiology is spasticity. We go on to ataxic. The, the location where this occurs is cerebellar control circuit. And um, the main auditory characteristic will be irregular, irregular articulatory breakdowns, distorted vowels, excess and equal stress and a variation in pitch loudness and duration. And the distinguishing pathophysiology will be in coordination. Then we're going to hypokinetic with an O. Uh, this occurs in a basal ganglia control circuit and has a reduced loudness, repeated sounds, mono pitch and mono loudness and reduced stress. And the distinguishing pathophysiology is rigidity, reduced range of motion, bradykinesia, and movement scaling problems. Then we go into hyperkinetic with an ER. And this is also in the basal ganglia control circuit. But um, the main auditory characteristic of this one is variable, dependent on the locus in the speech mechanism. So of fast to slow and rhythm to unpredictable movement. So it's depending on the location of the occurrence. And the distinguishing pathophysiology is involuntary movements. We see this in Korea, microclonus, dystonia, and tremors. tremors. <laughs> um, and then we have a unilateral upper motor neuron dysarthria, which is, of course, the location will be in the upper motor neuron, and it's unilateral. And then the main auditory char characteristic is um, hoarseness, imprecise articulation, irregularly breakdowns, slow rate, and the distinguishing pathophysiology will be upper motor neuron weakness, spasticity, and incoordination. Then our last one is uh, mixed dysarthria. And of course, this is hard to classify because um, it's all mixed. The location would be mixed, the main auditory characteristics would be different, as well as the pathophysiologies. Then we look into just general dysarthria characteristics. This will be noted in from the early stages with a slurred, slow or rapid speech, irregular rhythm of speech, overly soft monotone volume or loud speech, harsh or breathy voice, difficulty controlling your tongue or lips, increased nasal resonance, uh, which means excess noise coming out of the nose, difficulty swallowing or drooling, see that in dysphagia, and speech. the speech is made of short phrases. So that is... Um, dysphagia, dysphagia, dysarthria as a whole. And now Boipelu will tell you all about apraxia.
Thank you so much for that, Tasmia. So now we look at apraxia. Apraxia is the inability to organize and program the oral speech mechanisms during speech. Um, that is known as apraxia. There are two forms of apraxia of speech. Can be acquired apraxia and childhood apraxia of speech. People of all ages can develop acquired apraxia. However, the development is more prevalent in adults. Individuals who suffer from acquired apraxia start to lose their ability to speak. So they basically lose, if they were able to speak, they lose that ability to speak. The motor speech condition known as childhood apraxia is the inability to produce sounds and words in children impacted by this condition, which is present from birth. Now, the hallmark features of apraxia in adults are having trouble imitating and saying sounds on your own. The client may add new sounds or leave sounds out or say sounds the wrong way. The ability to say something the right way one time, but the wrong way the next time. Groping, which is the movement of the tongue and lips to get them into the right place as they try to say sounds. The ability to produce automatic speech. So statements like, hello, bye, how are you? In severe cases, individuals may not be able to produce any sounds. Damage to the brain regions responsible for speech control causes acquired apraxia. So these are head traumas, a stroke, or a brain tumor, or examples of conditions that can, are examples of conditions that can result in acquired apraxia. Okay. So when assessing for your motor speech disorders, it is important to have a differential diagnosis. An article published by Asha, uh, by Asha. Uh, citing Jay Duffy, speaks to motor, motor speech disorders and diagnosis of neurological diseases. The article emphasizes the role of the speech language pathologist in the diagnosis process. The importance of diagnosis as well as how it leads to the localization and the diagnosis of the neurological disease, disease is, discussed in, is discussed as critical. The diagnostic procedure involves identifying or determining the cause of a condition or disease through study of the patient's medical history, a physical exam, and a review of laboratory results or diagnostic imaging. When making a differential diagnosis, conditions that may be the source of your symptoms are considered. To arrive at a more precise diagnosis, the, professional, the professionals will take into account all of the client's symptoms and potential diseases. Neurological diseases have been reported to be difficult to diagnose, even with the technological advances in neuroimaging and formal diagnostic assessments. Thus, motor speech disorders such as dysarthria or apraxia have been a predominant sign of illness. The diagnosis can lead to a narrowing of neuro neurological possibilities whilst providing confirming evidence. The speech difficulties identified can contradict the medical neurological diagnosis, which can lead to a valuable modification and avoid inappropriate treatment. There are multiple characteristics that can assist in differentiating between dysarthria and apraxia, which Tasmia has spoken about this in the beginning. 
When diagnosing motor speech disorders, a differential diagnosis is vital due to the overlap in speech characteristics and other deficits across the dysarthria and apraxia. This was also mentioned in the beginning. The differential diagnosis assists in making the correct diagnosis and planning the appropriate form of intervention for the client. The neurologist diagnoses the brain injury and the speech therapist diagnoses the motor speech disorder. The speech therapists need information gained by the neurologist to better understand to better their understanding of the client's brain injury and use and they use this that information to inform their assessments the two professions play a vital role in the diagnosis of motor speech disorder disorders okay, so i'm going to add on to differential diagnosis and something very important to note is that underlying conditions may affect or subsequently cause motor speech disorders which Boypelo has briefly touched upon such as like Parkinson's disease that presents with hypokinetic dysarthria or pseudobulbar palsy with spastic dysarthria. So traditionally, the differential diagnosis between apraxia of speech and spastic dysarthria is based on perceptual parameters on aspects of neuroanatomical lesions and physiology physiological parameters, which reflect the movements of speech mechanisms. However, in the last couple of years, and I've read a very, uh, a very interesting article by Melly and Gallagher, which talk about the acoustic analysis techniques that have become the newest tool involved in the intervention process. So if we consider apraxia and dysarthria, in this case spastic, to be the result of planning and programming, uh, motor processes according to Fundamava's model, which is the traditional model, the differences will be noticeable and reflect in the acoustic variables. This new breakthrough has allowed development within standard standardized protocols as well as acoustic parameters in diagnosis and not only perceptual and physiological, which we usually uh, go towards. So um, as we touched upon briefly, such coexist, we look at when looking at differential diagnosis. We look at history, birth history, family history, developmental milestones, etc., as well as coexisting problems. So that can be uh, coexisting disorders such as Parkinson's or sensory function loss, seizures, hearing loss, learning issues, feeding issues, abnormal um, reflexes. All of this contribute to the differential diagnosis, which can further find out um, the further secondary issues that the patient may suffer with. So we see the importance of differential diagnosis and we hope to um, further the, the importance of motor speech disorders in our next podcast. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast on differential diagnosis and we look forward to seeing you, well, hearing from you next week on assessment. Yes, Thank we you. Also, Bye. We also hope you learned. You learned a lot. Um, see you next week. Bye.